Bishop, and I did not deserve to be woken up. I do not deserve it even more. I don't deserve even more than what God has blessed me with in life, but I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take whatever I can get, and I'm going to make the best of it. That's what you know about me. It's also a glorious day because the police have allowed me to breathe a little bit. They did not jump on top of me today, and as a result, I can still breathe. But I still have to watch out for them tomorrow. Death eventually will come to visit all of us. So my motto is always to make the best that you can of every day while you are here. Then when your time comes, at least you'll have, you'll be nice and tired for your eternal rest. Unfortunately, over 100,000 people, 100,000 of our friends and neighbors now cannot enjoy this day with us due to COVID-19. That's where we are in this pandemic. I also want to acknowledge the anniversary of the passing of my infant child, Simon, who I never really got to know because he wasn't given a chance. He passed away one year ago, this past Tuesday. I was in the studio that day, and what I said that morning is up as a podcast, even though I refuse to listen to it. But you can, and maybe there's something you can learn from it. So, I love you, son. Daddy will be coming to see you one day. But some things with the current coronavirus pandemic have changed now for the better. For one, this episode of The Jamal Show is not a coronavirus stay-at-home special. And you are welcome, before you thank me for that, uh, before you even thank me for that, if you are one of the very rare people in the world, the one out of one million people who can call yourself a Jamal Show family member, uh, we don't have fans. Fan is, short, fan is short for fanatic. The listeners of the show are not fanatics. They are well-refined men and women <laughs> of intellect and class. Uh, and if you find yourself in this small ratio of people in the world who like this show and listen to it regularly, you will remember from listening over the last few months that we have been doing these stay-at-home specials, so to speak. These specials were designed to be a little more entertaining than usual, uh, more infotainment quality, so to speak, in my quest to gain a wider variety of listeners. Why? Because, of course, the listeners are quarantining at home and looking for something to listen to. So I was like, let me throw my resume in there. Let me throw my resume out into the free market and see if I could pick any new listeners up. But alas, my friends, the time has come to release myself of the oppressive chains of this coronavirus stay-at-home special. And this will not be a stay-at-home episode for three reasons, primarily three reasons. One, number one. I realize that this virus will be with us forever. And our new normal will make us a little more isolated. We will get used to it, and we won't feel any kind of special way about it anymore. So no more specials. Soon there will no longer be anything special about staying home more. Or working from home. It will become the norm. You may not feel it now. You know, it's We're all adapting to a new way of life, and you don't feel it slowly. It's, so, it's sort of like that frog that sits in water that's slowly being heated. You don't notice it, but you're going to be starting to boil soon. And we are the frogs in this situation. Another reason why I'm giving up stay-at-home specials, well, nobody's quarantining anymore. I mean, I live in Connecticut, which looks like it'll be the last state to open back up. So I feel like I'm still under pressure to never leave the house. Our governor in Connecticut, his name is Ned Lamont, and I like him. He's a cool dude. Um, but I'm from New York, so I know Andrew Cuomo very well. And this guy, Lamont, is like the biggest Cuomo disciple. I don't blame him. But because he trusts Cuomo so much, Connecticut is opening slower than just about every state. 
And I'm not saying it's a bad decision to keep Connecticut closed. But I am saying that staying at home all the time while other states are opening leaves me kind of feeling like that Japanese warrior. Um, remember that Japanese warrior? You might be familiar. and uh, He didn't know World War II had ended. Ever heard about him? His name is Hiro, Hiro Onoda. He stayed in uh, a bunker for an extra 29 years in his bunker in the Philippines, refusing to surrender after the war was over. He stayed there 29 years longer until his original commander came out of Japan to formally relieve him of duty. 29 years later, he left his bunker. That's how I feel talking about everybody else still quarantining when nobody else is quarantining except me. We're in the only state that's really locked down to the extent that we are here in Connecticut. Oh, oh, and one more thing. There were five coronavirus stay-at-home specials. I'm proud of them. But this will not be the sixth coronavirus stay-at-home special because we now have a new pandemic to worry about. Actually, the new pandemic I'm talking about isn't really new. Um, it's already been around the world, and it's been hitting America in waves for like the past 400 years. And we are experiencing another wave right now. The new wave of this pandemic is more deadly to the future of America than the coronavirus. It's, it's the new wave of racism. It's indeed a pandemic that we have never quite found a vaccine for. Racism seems to have overtaken the coronavirus. But this particular show is not about race. So be at ease, white people. The theme of this particular broadcast is intent. I-N-T-E-N-T. -E intent. Intent is the theme of the show. And we will come back to this theme. As usual, I have a story or two that will... I will use to illustrate why this theme of intent is so important in these days. We definitely have a lot to get to, but before I get deeper to the, into this broadcast, before I get any deeper, I have a few household chores to take care of. So, you know, so I can make sure I stay in the air. So I, I, I very much thank you for being with us because, you know, if it's Saturday, it is the Jamal Show, uh, the place to get intelligent, live and on your favorite podcasting network. My name is Jamal. I'm your host from Harlem. Coming straight through the Hartford, Connecticut studios of WKND. And for just another day, the police have allowed me to breathe again. Let's see what happens tomorrow after they hear what I have to say. Now, I can tell you, it always helps to have a good bishop by your side. Take it from me. But if you want to keep the one you got, you got to tell him good morning sometimes. Or else he might leave you. So, good morning to the bishop. You don't want to be stuck out here in the world without a good bishop. I'm telling you. Take the word from me. As always, my friends, I'm broadcasting live to Facebook while I'm on live the air, on the air on WKND. But the sound is best, really, while you're using the TuneIn app on your phone. So just look for WKND 1480 AM. You will be impressed with the sound quality, I promise you. Now, it's been two weeks since you and I have last been together. Two weeks ago, I had a conversation with you about accountability. I've heard back that it was one of my best shows ever, and I'm proud. I aim to please, so that worked out as planned. It is my intent. That's right. I am motivated to pull off the same score today. Uh, and how am I going to do that? Well, you know how I'm going to do it. By scheming and planning on how to get you all more intelligent. And it's not an easy place to be. I mean, it's not easy being me and having my addiction. But here I am, your chief information addict. And my goal is to pass on the fruits of my addiction right through to you, power listeners. That's my goal on this show. That's my intention. 
And tension is the theme of this show. We run every two weeks, which is more than enough time to let news happen. And we always need friends to please. So please like the Jamal Show on Facebook Live. Or our Facebook page, so to speak. In addition, it might serve you well to know that I am an attorney. And if you need my services or my help, or you need to reach us for any other reason, please do. You can drop us a ransom note at jamalshowradio at gmail.com. That's where you reach me. I want to send out another shout-out to the uh, Connecticut Criminal Defense Lawyers Association. Uh, uh, I'm a very proud member of that organization, so I'm sending them a shout-out here in Connecticut. I remind you that this broadcast will soon be up on every podcast network. I won't name them anymore. I used to name them every week, but I listen to myself and it sounds boring, so we can't do that anymore. But you should know that the one released after May 16th was good, according to my friends, so go ahead and check it out. Now, definitely... You should get the Jamal Show skill featured on Amazon Alexis. Excuse me, Alexa. Alexa. So you all, all you have to do is say, Alexa, open the Jamal Show. Whenever you feel the um, the gumption, the urge, Alexa, open the Jamal Show. That's all you got to do. You can find directions on how to do that on the Jamal Show Facebook page, the page I keep telling you to go back to. So don't make me say it again. And here is my biggest announcement of the day. This is very, very special. The Jamal store is now open. Let me say that again, because I didn't hear anybody say amen. I said the Jamal show is now open. Amen. There you go. And I wish I had a drum roll, but that's coming later. At this store, you can share the experience. You can share the experience with us. I did say this before, but I'll say it again. This show has expenses, including an actual payroll, and that's fine. Nobody's begging you. Um, none of you guys begged us to be on the air, so we are willing hostages here. Willing hostages. So the Jamal Store is open at thejamalstore.com. That is thejamalstore.com, T-H-E-J-A-M-A-L-S-T-O-R-E. Did I spell my own name right? I think I did. And it's a place that we at the Jamal Show can ask for your support. And you can get something back in return from us. And it's vintage. Nobody else will have anything like it. The people on Facebook can see that I'm wearing one of the new Jamal Show t-shirts as we speak. I'm passing them out, fellas. Hey, and let me tell you something. If you see something on there, on that website, that you really, really want, but it's a little bit too expensive, shoot me a line at jamalshowradio at gmail.com. You may just get blessed. You may just get blessed, depending on how I'm feeling that day. And I'm, I'm always feeling good, so that's a good sign. Intent is the theme of this show today. Since I do have good intentions, my good intentions are not welcome on behalf of this station. Got to tell you that. They do not want the benefit of my good intention. So I cannot speak for them on any topic, really. That's what the owner would say if you were standing right here. If you go ask him, that's what he would say. I do not want Jamal's good intention associated with my name. <clears throat> now, I'm going to surprise you by telling you, that's what I have for an introduction, folks. So you know what I'm about to say, and you can say it with me. That's my introduction, and if you don't like it, you can't send it back. But if you wish to complain, we do take direct phone calls live on the air at 860-218-2173. I invite you to make us prove that theory that we do answer phone calls. You do not need an invitation to call. You're a family member because you're listening. Now... If I may move forward, we do have a lot to get to today. We will be focusing on a few stories that will help me illustrate today's theme of intent. All of them you may have heard before. 
And I want to have a special conversation with you that will likely you'll never hear again. You'll, you'll never hear this kind of conversation about these stories again. Um, that's what you get here. Quality infotainment. But first, please allow me to take a break. And I need to give you a break from me. I'm going to dedicate this break song to my dear departed brother, a brother by the name of George Floyd of Minnesota, who died by having his face kneed in the street pavement. Listeners, please use this time to go wash your hands. Um, much like a cop I know in Minnesota who has to wash the blood off his hands this morning, um, the blood of my brother George Floyd. But I'm pretty sure as a listener of the Jamal Show, you have no blood on your hands, so it, it'll be a lot easier for you to wash your hands. Let us all become Corona Pirates to get rid of this coronavirus. Meet me on the other side of Ty Bless, please. Bishop?
go. Man, I was thinking to myself uh, when this whole thing with Ahmaud Arbery happened and and this new guy, you know, George Floyd. You know, I really the the I, I went to talk to a friend uh, yesterday. He came by my house and I was like, you know. This really affected me, some of the stuff that's happening recently. I remember I was listening to uh, George Floyd's brother talking on CNN, and this dude was just, like, crying openly. I mean, I, I couldn't watch it without crying. I mean, I could not watch that without crying, and I didn't want to turn it either. I can't watch the, the whole thing with him on the ground. I can't watch that. It's just too horrible. There's only a few times in my life when you hear a man calling from his, for his mother. Um, I'm going a little off script now, but it always affects me when I hear something like that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I'm going to get to that. Listeners, uh, I forgot that you're in on this conversation. I was just talking to the bishop for a minute. It's my pleasure to have you back with us on the Jamal Show on WKND and on podcast, every podcast, hosted by me, Jamal from Harlem, attorney, street philosopher, mean spades player, man who needs a new car, son of Deborah and Carson. Thanks for hanging with me. So today is my intention to reveal the power of your intent. Your intention is really another way of saying it's your motivation. It's supposed to be the goal that drives you. Your intent is your reason for doing something. It's what you intend to do. Now that sounds like just a bunch of word salad, but if you get fired from your job, you want to know why, right? If your life partner dumps you, you want to know why. You want to know what his or her intent was. Was it simply to get away from you? Why? Was, it their, was their intent to go with somebody else? You want to know the reason because it matters. We want to decipher what a person's true intentions are so that we can act accordingly. You don't want to really feel, you don't really feel like you can trust a person unless you know a little bit about their intentions. And, and, and we don't really trust anybody to just tell us their reasons, right? We realize that people hide their true intentions because they can be motivated by things that they don't want to reveal about themselves or because they don't want to pay a price for having the wrong intentions. I'm going to give you an example of this. It could be a number of reasons. But let's take the American justice system. For example, it's a great example because we all have some experience with it, whether it be as victims or whatever, your intentions can make the difference between a death penalty and freedom. You cannot be guilty of most American crimes without an intent to commit them. The United States Constitution requires a jury to decide whether anybody can be punished for a crime. And that jury is almost always committed to determine the intent of the defendant. If the required intent does not exist, then the jury acts accordingly and sets the defendant free. If the jury determines that the required intent exists, then the defendant is punished. So if the intent doesn't exist, he's set free. If the intent exists, he's punished. Here's an example of what I mean. You know, I always give you an example. Um, a few years ago, some people who live in New York might remember this. A young man drove his pickup truck on the west side of Manhattan in such a way in such a way that he hit and killed eight pedestrians. He intended to do it. He admitted it. He told all the cops, this is what I meant to do. I meant to hit those people. He admitted it. He pledged allegiance to some terrorist group. He never hid his true intentions. Here it turns out that his intentions matter. 
And because of his intentions, he will, be, he will probably be punished very severely. I think his case is still making his way through the courts. But he's probably going to be punished very severely. Um, but he's being punished for his intention. Not for his act of actually killing people. He's being punished because he intended to kill them. Let me give you an opposite example. What if instead he had suffered a heart attack while driving and killed the exact same eight people in the exact same way, but because of the heart attack and not because he intended to kill them? Well, in that case, his next stop would have been a hospital instead of a prison cell for the rest of his life. His intention is key, and the whole reason that juries are required by the Constitution is because the intention is what matters. The writers of the Constitution felt that citizens should be the ones to make the call on a person's intention, not government employees. It would be oppression if only the government were allowed to, to convict you. So your intent is what matters. Even though nobody can read your mind and find out for certain what intention, what your intentions are, people will spend resources to find out because it matters. Ever hear that old saying, that it's the thought that counts. In this case, the thought is your intention. It's true. That saying is very true. Now, let me tell you another story that you've probably heard already. It's definitely viral. It's about two passing ships in the daytime in Central Park in New York City. In an area of Central Park called the Ramble. Now, I got to tell you, I lived in New York City for almost all my life. Within walking distance of Central Park... And I have no idea what a ramble is. If you put a gun to my head and asked me where it was, I'd be a dead man. But apparently, there's an area in Central Park called the Ramble. All right, let's just take let's just say people's word for it. I'm not here to investigate. Uh, at least not that. This area of the Ramble is good for bird watching and dog walking. And sometimes the twain shall meet. Bird watches don't particularly like dog walkers because there's that whole beef between birds and dogs. Last week, we all saw this video that came out when a bird-watching black man, I didn't know a bird-watching black man existed, but okay, a bird-watching black man ran into a dog-walking white woman in the same area in the Ramble. Why don't you listen to me? Uh, you probably heard this. I I'm going to give it to you, but why don't you listen to me as to what happened when they met, I'm going to see you on the other side of this clip. Of a Central Park confrontation gone viral. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording. Please, Please don't come close to me. NBC News does not have the full video. It's context unknown. But Christian Cooper, who describes himself as an avid bird watcher, tells NBC station WNBC he was in the park when he asked Amy Cooper, no relation, to put her dog on a leash. If the habitat is destroyed, we won't be able to go there to see birds, to enjoy the plantings. Cooper says she refused, and he then offered her dog a treat. At some point, she decided that, you know, oh, I'm going to play the race card, I guess. And that's when, he says, he began recording the incident. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to me. When Christian refused to stop recording her, the video shows Amy Cooper grabbing her dog's collar, moving away, and dialing 911. Please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. There is an African-American man. I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. 
I'm sorry, I can't hear you either. I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. Overnight, Amy Cooper apologizing, also speaking exclusively to WNBC. It was unacceptable. Saying she overreacted and regrets calling the police. When I think about the police, I think of them as a protection agency. And unfortunately, this has caused me to realize that there are so many people in this country that don't have that luxury. Late Sunday, her employer, Franklin Templeton, put her on administrative leave, tweeting, we take these matters very seriously, and we do not condone racism of any kind. Okay, let's cut that. Uh, I don't know about you, but me and my boys could probably listen to that in Harlem over and over again for a whole day and find something different to laugh at every time we listen to it. I was laughing just now. I heard this probably like 15 times the other day, and I, every time I, it's like a great movie. You know, I'm like, every time I listen to it, there's something else to point out that makes this woman silly. Now, to, to make a long story short, short uh, this black man was bird watching. The white woman is dog walking, but she's not using a leash, which, you know, I wouldn't care about, but this guy does. The leash law is actually important because sometimes dogs and birds fight, and the birds don't really have a winning tradition, so to speak. Uh, so the bird watcher politely asked the dog, wa- dog walker, to leash her dog. His intent, remember the theme of the show is intent. His intent is to keep the dog from spooking or scaring the birds that he's trying to watch. In a way, he's seeking to control the woman. But he has authorization to at least try to do so. Because she is breaking the law in a public space. He tries to control her actions, but he's doing it as, as it pertains to the law. Right? He does so while he films the confrontation, which is also legal. She's in a public space. She can be filmed. I know Madonna jogs around that part of uh, Central Park quite a bit. And people often take pictures of her without her consent. And she keeps jogging. She knows the law. Now, the white woman, they call her Central Park Karen, then tells him to stop filming her. We all can understand that because nobody likes being filmed by strangers, right? But she doesn't have any law to back her up. Because you can film just about anybody in a public space. What's her intention? Excuse me. Well, she wants the black man to stop filming her. That's, That's clear. Here's the question. If she wanted the filming to stop, why didn't she just walk away? The black man never approaches her. He never indicates that he's going to follow her. But she also never walks away. She actually gets closer to him. My answer would be is that she didn't want to walk away. She wanted to control him, much in the same way that he wanted to control her. But he had the law on his side. She had nothing. And the fact that she was mismatched in power there had to make her feel pretty inadequate. It's now relevant to mention that she works as a vice president for a big investment house, or worked as a vice president at a big investment house. Now that comes with a certain attitude in the world on money. Working for a big, being a vice president for a big investment house gives you a certain attitude, an attitude of self-assuredness. So she doesn't hate this black guy, but she also doesn't want to be made to feel inadequate as compared to some black guy. Right? Black people are on the bottom of the social economic ladder. Investment types like her tend to think that hanging with black people is sort of like bottom feeding. 
So instead of walking away, which would have ended the confrontation, walking away would have ended the confrontation. She tries to use white privilege by telling this black man to his face that she's going to call the police and lie on him. Mind you, he has a camera on her, and she still feels comfortable telling her him, hey, I'm about to call the cops, and boy, you in trouble, man, because I'm about to lie my ass off on you. Hey, you know I'm a white woman. She didn't say that part, but that's the context that we're working on here. Now, this clip went viral. This clip went viral. You've probably seen it. And when it did, many on the right said that this woman just had a bad day. But in my opinion, those on the right, they aren't paying attention to her intention. They aren't paying attention to her intention. Her intention was to control this black man, not because she was being attacked, for a far less, per, for a far less reason, because she wanted to feel adequate. She wanted to feel powerful. She's used to feeling powerful. She's a vice president, after all. She, she doesn't have to answer to anybody in her building. She told him she was calling the cops so he would get scared. She wanted to flash her social economic influence. It was all to make her feel better. That's all. It wasn't to make her safe. Uh, Oh, call the cops now. She alleged that he he was threatening not only her, but he was threatening her dog. (laughs) That she was choking at the time. If you watch the video, she was choking her dog. Her dog's like, yo, man, come on. I, I, I see that you're dealing with this dude over here, but how about you don't, like, tighten the leash around my neck? That's what the dog is saying. The dog is being tortured, but she's on the phone calling the cops, telling them that a black man is threatening her dog, not just her, her dog. A dog that no cop would ever put his knee on to suffocate on a pavement, by the way. Let me just add that. All to make herself feel better. If she were really being attacked... She would not have had to tell him that she was calling the police. Uh, black men that attack white women fully understand that police will be called. We Believe me, as a black man who has never attacked a white woman, I can tell you that the ones that do know that police will be called. So you don't have to be like, well, I'm going to call the police now. I'm going to call the police now. And when I do, I'm going to lie. He already knew she was going to lie because he hadn't approached her. He hadn't touched her. He hadn't made a threat towards her. She actually threatened him. She threatened him. She thought it was appropriate to threaten him and then call the police and say, hey, you know, he threatened me. How about that? Ha. How about that twist? You know what I'm saying? That's how it's done. She was not getting attacked. She called the police to exert power and make herself feel better. She was willing to take, she was willing to risk his life and limb to do so just to feel adequate and in control of a situation that she could have just walked away from. That's, that's worse than a bad day, to me. A bad day is stepping on someone's foot. A bad day is, you know, catching them on attitude and cursing somebody out that didn't deserve it. All right, man, I'm sorry. I, was, I had a short temper today. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You caught me on the wrong time, man. That was my fault. You know, not, hey, how about I use society to destroy your life? How about that? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you go to jail and get kicked in the head by the cops? My fault. My fault. That's that's a bad day to her. Is Let me try to destroy somebody's life. On the record while they're filming me. Because, you know, nobody's going to make me pay. That's what she's really saying. 
that's what made this situation so bad. That's why people couldn't stop watching it. It was the reason she called the cops. It was her intention. Because we all know that if she had been attacked, we wouldn't be talking about her today. She did it, but she, she didn't do it because she was attacked. She did it to feel powerful. Not because she was actually being attacked. She didn't care about all the ramifications for him. What if he was arrested? Oh, well, you know, hey, it happens, right? <laughs> well, have a nice day, Negro. I'm going to go back home now. I'm, I'm sure you can beat the charges one day. You know, what if he was arrested? What if he got beat by cops who tend to get easily pissed at woman beaters? You know, cops don't like people who beat on women. Male cops, they come out on you. You know what I'm saying? I guess maybe he should have just obeyed her, right? Maybe if he would have just obeyed her like she wanted, everything would have been great. And by the way, I, I'm sure you know how this story ended, right? Again, it was viral. It was viral. But she ended up losing her job and her dog, which she was choking to death. And, you know... She ended up returning the dog to her animal shelter. I'm sure that the animal rights groups got on top of her, and that's why she did that. You know, but you can't, you know, if, if he would have got arrested, the black man, you can't return him back to his house. Then it's out of your hands, right? She would have had to continue to lie and be like, yeah, he threatened me. Now, as for her job, who knew this? Who knew that an investment company doesn't want their vice presidents to be exposed in viral videos? Who knew? Who knew? You know what I'm saying? What a surprise. The investment, it turns out, Franklin Templeton, one of the biggest investment companies in the world, doesn't like race, doesn't like open, open racists on their staff. I mean, I'm not going to say they don't like racists because, <laughs> well, we all know the truth about that. But this woman's viral like millions of times all over the world, and she's wearing their company as vice president. So, you know, they suspended her for about a day, and then they were like, yeah, we're not going to go with this, right? This all happened to her. What did she say to the media after this happened to her? My life is being ruined. So again, again, listeners, her intention in this situation was to feel good, to feel adequate at his expense, at this black man's expense. If that weren't her intention, then she would have just walked away. But she wanted to control this black man, and since she didn't have the law behind her, she decided to use race and social standing to demean and control him. When she saw that wasn't working, when she saw that wasn't working, she screamed into the phone as if she were being attacked, all for control. Her intention was control. To get that control, she was literally willing to risk his life by calling 911 and screaming bloody murder. And she did it on camera. Instead of the black man's life getting ruined, her life get ru got ruined. Now she's looking for sympathy. My life is ruined. Now she's looking for sympathy. She actually expects sympathy. That's more than just looking for it. She expects sympathy. You almost get the impression that she feels privileged in some way. Because feeling privileged is the only way that someone with ill intention can expect sympathy. Oh, and she also says, this is the important part. Her lawyer would really want me to tell you this. She says she's not a racist. So take that with you to the bathroom. The next time you go to the bathroom, just think about that while you're washing your hands for 20 seconds. She says she's not a racist. 
I just find it odd. Nobody in, admits their intention of racism. Nobody. Let me tell you, even the Klan isn't racist anymore. If you've got the Klan in front of you, they'd be like, we don't believe in being racist. Nobody believes in being racist anymore. Racism happens, and nobody's there to make it happen. That's how, that's how it works. Racism happens to be bad marketing. So nobody tells you their intention of being racist. No one tells you, oh, you know, I'm going to use the system to destroy your life now. Oh, wait, is the camera on? What I really meant to say is that I love all black people, and I'm not racist. And you know what the most telling part about this story is? You, you got to hear me on this. This is the most important part of my whole rant. The most important part of this whole story with the crazy white woman, this woman they call her Central Park Karen, she was not just a back office worker. She wasn't a back, she, she didn't work the fry stand at McDonald's. She was not just a back office worker. She was a vice president of a big investment house. These jobs are hard to get. And this woman is not particularly smart. So it seems like she has this expectation of privilege that she's getting. In other words, this is a world where a woman like this usually gets the control she wants over the black men that she needs to make her feel powerful. She needs that feeling. And you know what I need? I need to take a break. I need to get myself together. We got a little more atrocity to talk about. The show's not over yet. It's still early, brothers. It's still early. Why not hang around and meet me on the other side? You are with the Jamal Show on WKND Live. Let me just say this really quickly. Um, I got to say hello to Cassandra in Pittsburgh. Cassandra in Pittsburgh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being a Jamal Show listener. Um, make sure you check out the Jamal store. If you can't afford something at a Jamal store, shoot me an email at jamalshowradio at gmail.com. And you may get blessed. You may, may get blessed. Um, anyway, you're with the Jamal Show on WKND Live and on podcast later. See you soon on the other side. I think I'm going to play a little bit of Tommy Vendetta. Here we go. Making every face win Going and I'm Liddy off the Matrix Making me feel like I can't give Everything I wanna give to make his But it's like I must cry now Inside strides to be everything I must feel Well it's all good in the hood, right, right But it's not good when I must heal I'm Staggering, singing it Sheesh, sipping this bottle till I'm painting it Floor that's in front of my blurry guy eyes I cry cause I'm living in my pancreas Feel what I feel on the inside Insights die but another day burst Everything I love should curse I, I, I deal with the power of my words Staggering, making it Going and I'm Liddy up the matrix Making me feel like I can't give Everything I wanna give to make his But it's like I must cry now Insight try to be everything I must feel yeah. But it's all good in the hood right right But it's not good when I must feel My eyes stay blurry with a red side on Beam on my eyes they see me try Breathing I'm feeling I relieve these pains That be in my mind as he feed me lies Party after party I'm a real mixtape Take to the mix to this life that's gone I have to know when I wash away I have to know if this life that's long Young and I'm feeling like I'm surging 20 and I can't get a fade now So I stay faded to purchase 
Why even go into a bank? How come I'm a debt to a face that I can't even touch? Young and I old like I'm aging away. Fake friends calling me and saying what's up. Now it's to the level where I fade them away. Caved in my brain, I'm a major distort. Talk to myself cause the team not enough. Only y'all know what I've been through now. Only y'all know if I can't get up. Asking me trying to see who I've been, better who I'll be. But it's even better when I play high key. Open to things, but it's only one part. Hey, when I have to be surface and deep and I purposely creep out the function and see where the darkness and creep in the nighttime vibes with the soul really lies on the man that a freak and I play with myself on a man that's a beat. How can I fall this way when I know that it's not the plan I deem? And it would even get me high cause I'm high right now. Wait, this is another fact. I'm making every face when born and I'm ready of the matrix. Making me feel like I can't give everything I want to give to make his. But it's like I must cry now inside, try to be everything I must feel. But it's all good in the hood, right, right. But it's not good when I must heal. I'm staggering, singing it, sipping this bottle, and I'm painting it. The floor, that's the fun of my blurry guy eyes. I cry because I'm living up the pancreas. Feel what I feel on the inside, inside's that, but another day births. Everything I let it to curse. I, I deal with the power of my words. Staggering, making every face win. Born and I'm lady of the matrix. Making me feel like I can't give. Everything I wanna give to make his. But it's like I must cry now. Inside, try to be everything I must feel. But it's all good in the hood, right, right. But it's not good when I must feel. Staggering, singing the sheets. Sipping this bottle till I'm painting. Floor, that's the front of my blurry eye. Eyes, I cry cause I'm living up the pancreas. Feel what I feel on the inside. Inside, die with another day burst. Everything I love just curse. I, I deal with the power of my words. Hello, hello, hello. It is my honor to welcome you back to the Jamal Show, the place to get intelligent. I am your host, Jamal from Harlem, and I, too, am a survivor of police brutality. A quick reminder to check out the Jamal Store, thejamalstore.com. We could use your support, and you could use ours, quite frankly. And you have our support, for sure, certainly. Today's theme, today's theme is intent. We just talked a little bit about accountability two weeks ago, and now we're going to be talking about intent. And there's been a lot of talk about this case recently that will help me illustrate my point with intent. It's the George Floyd case. It's part of the racist pandemic. Uh, this case has totally exploded in a short period of time. During our last broadcast of the Jamal Show on May 16, 2020, I didn't even know who George Floyd was. Just two weeks ago, I didn't know who George Floyd was. Now, everybody in the world knows who he is, and they should. Uh, George Floyd is the middle-aged black man who was led, who had his head and neck kneed into the pavement by a Minnesota cop while the other officers were just standing around acting like they were just getting a nice tan. George Floyd suffered a horrible death after being mishandled by three white cops who clearly didn't give a damn about his well-being at all due to what I can only term as anti-blackness. And this has all created a lot of emotion in a lot of black people, including me. Still, I must point out that the relationship between cops and civilians is not just about black people. It is about black people, but not just about black people. White people have been killed brutally by cops as well. It does happen. And I say this with the best of intentions. I remember one case. The reason why I'm even bringing this up is because I remember one case in California where a homeless white man named Kelly Thomas was, was beat to death by a few cops and much of it was taped. If you think cops don't sometimes kick a white man's ass, you should look it up. Kelly Thomas. I heard the name of Kelly Thomas being beat to death. I heard the tape. 
of Kelly Thomas being beat to death, and it gave me nightmares for a few weeks. He also screamed that he couldn't breathe. He also called for his daddy while being beat to death. Anytime an innocent man is killed like this, it is an injustice. But sometimes, sometimes you get to these points where something breaks. Something really broke with this new George Floyd case, and now streets are burning all across the nation again. It feels like Ferguson again. I remember um, six years ago, I actually had a wedding to go to in Ferguson, uh, in St. Louis. And I left the wedding and went straight to Ferguson to check out what was going on. That was the first night that they had the National Guard out there. And uh, I, I have pictures that I took all over Facebook. People were like, please don't go, Jamal. You're going to get hurt. Oh, my God. Look at the streets. You know, I was like, I'll be fine, guys. Grew up in Harlem. I've seen riots before. I've seen people upset. I've even seen stores get looted. It's okay. So I got to Ferguson, and it was amazing. Um, what you saw on TV wasn't necessarily what was going on in the ground. On TV, you saw blacks looting, um, um, rioting, being very upset, or, or expressing upsetness. But I got out there. It was the white brothers and sisters that were really militant. Let me tell you, brother. I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they had, like, a crowd of white people outside the police department in Ferguson, like, cursing cops out. I mean, I was like, whoa, can you can you actually say that to cops and not get arrested? Like, it was amazing. Um, and the black people were acting kind of sheepish when I was out there. So it was a, it was a trip. It was a trip. And I, I had to think about going out to Minneapolis. I did. I thought about taking a flight out there just to observe like I did with Ferguson. I didn't do it, but I thought about it. And this is a different situation. It, the whole thing's on videotape. Michael Brown was not. And it's obvious what's going on here. I got to tell you, this whole thing feels like Ferguson again. Where, by the way, a report was released and it was found out that the cops were being extremely oppression-oriented um, towards the community. You know, they, they were oppressing the community, something terrible. You should read that report if you don't believe me. But this also feels like 92, Rodney King. Who's old enough to remember that? I think the bishop is just old enough to reach, to remember Rodney King. <laughs> just old enough, you know. Um, these aren't good feelings to have in 2020. And stand-up comedian Trump is no help. All right? Stand-up comedian Trump, nobody can depend on him for leadership. We just depend on him for comedy. Like most comedians. For leadership right now, uh, I got to be honest with you, I'm, I'm looking at Joe Biden, man. But I digress. Thankfully, at least one of the cops responsible for George's death is already in jail and charged with murder and manslaughter, which sounds like a double whammy, but it's not. It's not. I actually have, boy, I have a treat for you today. I actually have the charging document for one, uh, Derek Chauvin, Shaven. I actually have no idea how to pronounce his name. And to be honest with you, I don't really care. But here it is. This is called preparation, folks. Write me a letter and thank me. In any case, I have the actual charging document, and we're going to go through it in a minute. I'm gonna, I want to give you some of my analysis on what this seven-page document says. So we got one of the cops in jail, uh... Derek's Chauvin, might as well be chauvinist for all I care. Um, he's charged with murder and manslaughter. 
We're running out of time, but I have that cops charging document right here. And I'd like to read some excerpts for you and your people. And let you tell, I want you to know my thoughts as an attorney on this. So let me, let me get started a little bit. You already know the story, but the first thing that strikes me about this document is that it appears to take the, the narrative of the police officers. It, it appears to take the story from the police report. And so because it takes the story from the police report and the police officer's intention, their intention was actually to clear themselves, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't flow as a story. You'll see what I'm talking about. On May 25th, 2020, someone called 911 and reported that a man bought per merchandise from Cup Foods on Chicago Avenue in Minneapolis with a counterfeit $20 bill. This was all about a counterfeit $20 bill. And let me tell you, thank God for these police officers that won't let a $20 bill slide. I mean, what, what would the economy do if a store owner lost $20? So I'm glad that four cops... Showed up for a $20 counterfeit bill. I'm really glad about that. If they all did that, we'd all be a lot safer, you know? Forget about the rapists and everything. You know what I'm saying? No need to chase those guys down. Let's bring four cops to a small convenience store on Chicago Avenue in Minnesota and tackle the man. One man. Four cops, one man. Four counterfeiting a $20 bill. Okay, so let me finish. I'm going to take forever doing this if I don't continue. I only got nine minutes, people. Um... Okay, so this man was apparently sitting outside the store in a car. Why would somebody give a fake bill and then sit outside in a car? He didn't try to get away? He wasn't trying to run? I mean, why would if I gave a fake $20 bill and I knew about it, I'd be like, let me get out of here. Time to go. I wouldn't sit outside the car smoking a blunt. Like, hey, just in case the cops come, let me see what happens. Will they let me get away with it? Kind of fit bill? Who knows? This is a test. You know, like, this doesn't make sense from the very beginning. Video attained by the uh, Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension shows that the officers approached the car, uh, blah, blah, blah. Three people were in the car. George Floyd was in the driver's seat. Uh, adult, adult male was in the passenger seat. And no adult female was sitting in the back seat. We haven't heard from these people. Very interesting. This makes me lean towards maybe the stuff we don't know. Why haven't these people come out and said, hey, man, I was there. I was sitting next to George. And here's what happened. And would a man really resist arrest in front of his two friends? I don't know. Maybe he would. And have them just sitting there watching him? I don't know. It just sounds odd to me. So check this out. The female was sitting in the back seat. As Officer Lane began speaking with Mr. Floyd, he pulled his gun out and pointed at Mr. Floyd. He pointed at Mr. Floyd's open window and directed Mr. Floyd to show his hands. Now, I've been pulled over before. And they usually don't pull a gun out of me while I'm still in the car. You know, they usually don't do that unless they're not, they're not sure about what I have. So anyway, Lane put the gun back in his holster when Floyd put his hands on the steering wheel. La, 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 let's see. Once handcuffed, Mr. Floyd became compliant and walked with Officer Lane to the sidewalk and sat on the ground at Officer Lane's direction. Uh, in a conversation that lasted just under two minutes, Officer Lane asked Mr. Floyd for his name and identification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Officer Lane asked Mr. Floyd if he was on anything, which I'm sure every black man gets when he's pulled over, uh, and explained that he was arresting Mr. Floyd for passing counterfeit currency. You know what's odd here? They're, they told him they were arresting him for passing fake fake bills, but no one talks about the fake bill. I don't I don't remember a part where they first collected the fake bill to see if it was, a, in fact, the truth that he committed a crime. 
No one has brought up this bill yet. I mean, can we please see this bill that this man was killed for? To see if it was at least counterfeit? Did he at least commit a crime? Did he have other bills in his wallet? What happened to the original crime? I thought the intent was to prevent counterfeit bills from being uh, thrown out all over the place in Minnesota. Not to just, let's, let's apprehend a black man. Now that we have a black man, the crime is actually unimportant. We don't care about the crime anymore. Oh, we can take him to jail now based on a crime we didn't even investigate. There's nothing in here about an investigation. Nothing. So, so they told him, they said they, they told him to stand up and they attempted to walk Mr. Floyd to their squad car. Mr. Floyd stiffened up, fell to the ground, and told the officers he was claustrophobic. The guy that just got out of his own Jeep told the officers, I can't get into a car because I'm claustrophobic, and he fell to the ground on his own. Like, let me take a fall. I think there were other ways to like do that besides falling to the ground. I don't know. Okay, so they, uh, let's, let's, let's see what else happened. The other two officers arrived in a separate squad car. Check this out. Because they're so heroic, the officers made several attempts to get Mr. Floyd into the back seat of the squad car. Mr. Floyd did not voluntarily get into the car and struggle with the officers by intentionally falling down. That's what makes me think this came from a police report. Check this out. The prosecutor's document, the ones that are condemning the police, are saying that Mr. Floyd intentionally fell down. Where's the evidence for that? Where's the jury for that? How do they know he intentionally fell down? Because the cops said so? Intentionally falling down can be construed as resisting arrest. Why is the charging document for the cop alleging that Mr. Floyd fell down on the tent? They were alleging that he was resisting arrest based on the cops. The, the ones that killed him. You know, if I have to kill somebody, I'm going to tell you that he tried to kill me first. And if you take my word for it, then, you know, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm running out of time. Uh, let's see what we got. Four more minutes. So let me get a little further, a little bit further. Oh. While standing outside the car, Mr. Floyd began saying and repeating that he could not breathe. The defendant went to the passenger side and tried to get Mr. Floyd into the car from that side. And the other two cops assisted. Okay, so if a man is standing up and telling you he can't breathe, what's wrong with calling the ambulance then? I don't know. I don't know. If the bishop couldn't breathe, if he just looked at me and said, you know, I can't breathe, man. Yo, I know you're doing a show, but I can't breathe. I'm going to put the mic down, and I'm going to call the ambulance. I'm not going to be like, oh, well, let's see if we can squeeze you into this police car. Hey, how about if I put my knee on your back? Would that allow you to breathe easier? He can't breathe, guys. Let's put him on the floor, on his stomach with his hands cuffed. Have you ever been handcuffed? You feel pretty useless while you're, being, while you're handcuffed. You can't do anything. If you're on the floor on your stomach and you're handcuffed, you can't get up. Unless you're like an Olympic track sprinter. You cannot get up. Why do I need to put my knee on your head to make sure you can't get up? And then laugh with you like, ha, <laughs> try to get up, Negro. <laughs> I bet you can't. That's what he was doing. They were taunting him. Imagine being taunted on a pavement while your, your face is being mushed into the ground by a knee of an officer looking down at you like he's riding a horse, taunting you. Then you see the urine coming out of this man. And after he's not breathing anymore, the knee stays on his back. This, 
this charging document alleges that he kept the knee on his back, on his on his neck, after he was dead. Three minutes after he was dead. <sighs> my um my sincerest condolences go out to Judge Floyd's family. I got to tell you, man, uh, I'm going to leave on this. I don't care about the damn buildings in Minnesota. Um, I care about the lives in Minnesota. That's what's important. You can rebuild a building. You can rebuild a building. It looks like I'm out of time. So will I see you people in two weeks? I really hope so. I'll be back right here in two weeks. I want you to meet me here. Right around the block in Harlem. Um, or you can meet me on podcast. Or you can meet me on Alexa. Please be sure to check out the Jamal store. People on Facebook Live can see the new mugs that are out. Um, this is a very, very emotional case for me and others. And I'm hoping the best for America. God bless you. Uh, God bless your family. Thank you very much for listening to the Jamal show. See you in two weeks. I love you. This is the Jamal Show. Down in Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. Jamal C. Wright. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. Jamal. Jamal. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show. This is the Jamal Show.